This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're joined by Jennifer Bucholtz. Jennifer is a member of the group known as Casebreakers who may have identified the Zodiac Killer. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're joined by Jennifer Bucholtz. And Jennifer, you're a former Army counterintelligence agent. And I know you've got a lot of other things under your belt. Could you just quickly fill us all in on basically what your credentials are? Sure, yeah. I'm an Army veteran. I did counterintelligence for many years. Um, After the military, I worked on several contracts and eventually became a faculty member at American Military University, which is where I'm still employed now, and I teach criminal justice and forensic courses there. I'm also helping to develop the university cold case team, which is comprised of faculty and student volunteers. We're all volunteers trying to tackle some of the unsolved homicides around our country. So I'm an advisor for that. And then I'm also a licensed private investigator and a member of the nonprofit, the case breakers, which was in the news last week, just a little bit. (laughs) Well, quick question about the, um, the school. So can any student join no, the name is a little bit misleading because it's not only for military members at all. Got it. Okay. I, I will say the majority of our students are either current or former military or current or former law enforcement. But every class I teach, I still get a percentage that we're in neither, you know, and are pursuing something totally different. So um, it's not exclusive to only military or veterans at all. That makes sense. Okay. So how did you come to find the case breakers or did they find you? Well, (laughs) it actually came to be because of a news reporter by the name of Dale Julin. And he used to be a reporter out in California for many, many years. Now he's based out of Georgia. But a couple years ago, I wrote an article on the Rebecca Gould murder case, which is in you guys' neck of the woods in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Rebecca was murdered in 2004 and her case had gone unsolved until recently. But I had written an article on her case discussing behavioral analysis and how it's used in homicide investigation. And I had mentioned the Zodiac in my article. And so Dale ran across it or whatever. And he emailed me and explained that he'd been working on his own time, researching the Zodiac case for several years. And he'd actually written a manuscript on his work. And he was asking me to read it and provide my honest feedback. It's a long story, no matter what. Right. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) So obviously I'm skeptical, but eventually uh, in a few weeks after he sent it, I did have time and I sat down and read the manuscript and I read it all in one reading. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that manuscript, I was like, he got the guy. This is it. I mean, he figured it out. So we got on the phone for quite a while and I was like, so what's the plan? You know, I mean, and he says, I just can't get anybody to listen. I can't get anybody in law enforcement to meet with me. You know, nobody in the media is interested because Zodiac's been done over and over and over again. And and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about this for a while. And I said, maybe I can figure out a connection to the university or maybe like through my former military members or something, you know, that can get this in front of the right people. And so it took many months, but eventually I got um, in touch with one of my colleagues 
who I didn't know very well until this, but his name is Eric Kleinsmith. And he eventually got me in touch with a guy named Tom Colbert, who's the head of the case breakers. And I explained when I first gave the manuscript to Eric and he re- I mean, everybody does the same thing with this manuscript. It's interesting. Almost everybody reads it all in one sitting. I think because it's so compelling once you get into it. So Eric did the same thing and calls me back. Oh my gosh. You know, and I said, right. <laughs> and so then I, I get it over to Tom and Tom did the same thing on a Saturday, read the whole thing and calls us like this guy got it. He figured it out. This has to be right. Wow. I mean, everything makes sense. So we all had the same feeling after we read this manuscript. And so big thanks to Tom over the past year, year and a half. He's really been the one who's um, been able to get some forward traction with Dale's work. I mean, we're obviously still up against a lot of brick walls, which we can discuss in terms of law enforcement, but at least the information is getting circulated and is getting out there. I guess the audience, our our listeners don't know this, but uh, you've worked on a couple of cases with a mutual friend of ours named George Darrett, who we've done a couple of crossover episodes mm-hmm. with um, Diamond State Murder Board. Mm-hmm. Our first episode covered Arkansas, because that's where we are. That's right. We are. Yeah. That's where we are. Um, and yes. we talked about the Rebecca Gould case. So that's kind of one of those cases that's been near and dear to us. And mm-hmm. we've been surprised to see, I mean, it's been, you know, over 20 years and then things have happened. A lot of things have happened. And we've told yeah. our listeners a lot about this. So Ashley was the one that called me last week and said, it was in the morning, she calls me, they caught the Zodiac. First thing I say is, okay, did they catch <laughs> the Zodiac? This is, this is the, like the third How Zodiac. How many people caught the Zodiac? So I got online, and I'm like, I'm going to read about it before I get too excited about any of this news. So I was going through the articles. I saw your name being mentioned. I was like, wait, what? Because we've never talked in person or anything. And so I don't really know you, but I feel I've followed you a lot on um, Rebecca's case on the Facebook Mm -hmm. posts. I trust and respect your opinions. And I know that you're not someone who is, I know you're logical, but anyway, so once I saw your name in that article, my ears perked up because I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I know who this person is Mm -hmm. and I know she's credible. You're not, when they, they keep saying amateur sleuths and I'm like, that's me. (laughs) That's really, that's what we do. That's not you. I mean, I feel like that's an unfair title you've been given because you're not an amateur sleuth. You have education and training and your team. It's made up of a lot of people who know their stuff. A former FBI agent. Several. Mm-hmm. Several, okay, former police officers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, military, um, you know, intelligence analysts, analysts like, um, people yeah. like that. Yeah, everybody's got you know, a pretty um, deep background in terms of something to do with law enforcement or investigations or forensics. Right. You know? We have a pretty cool compilation, actually, of backgrounds. Hundreds, if not more, years of combined experience between everybody, so... And I don't mind the word sleuth. I don't like the word amateur. I'm like, right. like you just said, I'm like, come on, guys, please. Did you read our bios? Like, we're not trying to be egotistical or anything, but I'm like, that's, that's, that's a mischaracterization. A hundred percent. People hear yeah. that and they think of someone sitting on their couch Googling stuff and not doing anything yeah. else. And that's yeah. definitely not what you all do. You are very hands-on yeah. and involved. So I yeah. 
And it's not like we just like, oh, last week we read Dale's book and decided to jump on board. No, I mean, this obviously I've been sworn to secrecy for the last two years on this. I couldn't tell anybody. But and so and that's, you know, several Casebreaker members have been working on additional stuff over the last two years and the research and, you know, a lot of on the ground stuff and interviews. And, you know, this isn't, again, something we just jumped on. I mean, there's a, I mean, thousands of hours of investigation and research behind, you know, our conclusions here. So, mm-hmm. so we were a little rusty on the Zodiac case. I mean, everyone's heard it a, a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just been so many movies and shows and datelines. Yeah. When Dale reached out to me, I'm like, yeah, I know about it. I read Grace Smith's book, but could I right. tell you all the details? I still can't tell you all the details. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it just it, same. I was the same as you guys. I'm like, okay, this I got to go brush again. up on this. <laughs> <laughs> you all are not saying. We caught him. We know for sure he's a sus. Well, what would, what would you call? Yeah. Yeah. No, we never made a claim of solving this, although mm-hmm. that made many headlines. That's right. Not a, a quote that any of us ever made. Um, we're not saying we are 100% positive. And, you know, we're not trying to make a, another Zodiac victim out of an innocent person or anything like that. Again, like our research methodology behind all this is very sound. If we end up being wrong, so be it. But it's not for lack of, you know, trying to cross all the T's and dot the I's properly. But we feel with a high level of confidence that Gary Francis Post was the Zodiac killer. And I'll, I'll say it at that because we, we literally cannot solve a case. You, you have to have an investigating agency make that type of announcement and then officially right. close the case because they've decided that this is the, the perpetrator. And none of us at Casebreakers can do that. And we understand that. But, you know, what what we're trying to do at this point is get law enforcement to take mm-hmm. a look at all this work and at least follow through on leads and potential evidence that we think we know where it is and stuff like that. Things that, although we could probably go do on our own, we don't want to contaminate the case right. or any yeah. work that they may do in the future. So what was the aha moment? <laughs> Yeah. So for me, that's easy. So I don't know, it's two thirds of the way or so three quarters of the way into Dale's manuscript. Well, let me, let me back up on his methodology and I'll explain. He got a tip from a guy named Will who essentially grew up around Gary Francis Post. Gary was not exactly a step. He was not a stepfather, but he was like a father figure for Mm -hmm. three decades or so. He knew the guy intimately and vice versa. He brought the tip to Dale many years ago, I think 2014 or 2013, about Gary Post, him believing Gary Post was the Zodiac. And fast forward many months and many, many more conversations and Dale doing a bunch of his own research. He's sitting at home one day and he's kind of just perusing those weird, taunting letters that Zodiac mailed to police, which are really bizarre because, number one, they're all like handcrafted, but then they don't really say much, you know? Right. And... um he, I, he just had an epiphany and he was like, huh, I wonder if these are actually codes that need to be decrypted. And so he took one of them. I think it was a Halloween letter first, but I might be wrong on that. And he's like, I wonder if I can find Gary Francis post, you know, the letters of his name in this, le- in this note. And sure enough, he did. So he removed those and then wrote down the remaining letters from that note. 
And it took him quite a while because he's, you know, he'll tell you he's no anagram expert, <laughs> never probably done one in his life before this, and uh, not trained in codes or anything like right. that. And, but over time, he rearranged the letters into a message that made sense. And so he, you know, was like, okay, well, maybe one time is a fluke, like this, this might be nothing, but let me try it on a few more. And again, over the coming months and actually years, he did the exact same thing with more and more of these taunting letters. And every single one of them, he ended up decoding and there was no letters left over, which is one reason I believe in his work, because to properly crack an anagram, you have to use all the letters. Right. And in Post's case, in some of these letters, there's actually numbers involved too, which came into play. Okay, so that was the first thing where I'm like, huh, this is really interesting and sounds valid. Right. So at least three of those anagrams that he ended up decoding gave him navigation, directions, instructions to what we believe was the evidence site of where Zodiac put Donna Lass's body. And for listeners who don't know, Donna Lass is a victim attributed to Zodiac by law enforcement. However, she's the one victim whose body has never been found. She went, she was a nurse up near Lake Tahoe and went missing from that area. Still haven't found her body. I think we can. But Dale, you know, again, on his own dime, took time off work and drove up to the high Sierras and followed these directions and ended up at this tree. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but he ended up at this particular tree that had a forked trunk, meaning like it grew up and then separated into two trunks and twisted back together. And that's what was described in this anagram, as well as, yeah, there was cabling and one of those glass insulators, I think from like the old school telephone lines or whatever, mm -hmm. 40 feet up in this tree, which is exactly what was described in the anagram. And so Dale actually got um, a painter's ladder, a 40 foot ladder, and they climbed up to the 40 foot spot on this tree and found this cabling and the insulator and all this stuff. Post in his letter claimed that he had hung the body of Donna Lass in a bear cache up that tree at the 40 foot mark. Now, obviously, this was 40 some years later that yeah. Dale's decrypting this and going up there, there's no bear cache with a body in it anymore. So we can't prove it 100%. But to me, it was like, he went right to the tree, the description matched the, the 40 foot mark up the tree, there's all these specifics that perfectly matched the description that post gave in these anagrams. And so that's pretty much that was like the turning point for me where I'm like, this has to be right. I mean, I don't know what other explanation there can be, especially again, knowing that Dale doesn't have any leftover letters or numbers when he's right cracked these codes. So did, um, did he describe the tree as being unique in that yeah. way? So he didn't yeah. just say a tree. Correct. Yeah. Forked. No, there was like a description of the tree and the type of hardware that would oh, be up in that yeah. tree because post knew that it had been used for a telephone line way back when and stuff like that. So um, it all matched up. Yeah. And of course, we don't know what happened to Donna's body, whether he came and retrieved it, whether over time the bear cache deteriorated and it, you know, fell down. And by then it's skeletons only and scavenger animals scattered them or whatnot. But I still have the sneaking suspicion that maybe one of these anagrams that hasn't been cracked yet holds information about where her body ended up if he did move it and bury it. Wow. So how many are left that are uncracked? 
You know, I was trying to figure that out. I should probably ask Dale about it because I don't know, but I think he's cracked at least a dozen. Um, And I think there was a total of 18 taunting letters sent in. Um, So there's still a few. And the big one is the 340 cipher, which was in the news, I think, last December because these three brilliant people cracked that code after 50 years. And I totally agree with their solution that they came up with makes total sense in terms of how they solved it or how the computer program they developed solved it. The thing is, it's got to be cracked one more time because it's another anagram. You know, everybody was disappointed when these guys decoded it because it was like, man, it doesn't really, you know, we're hoping it would have his name in there and stuff like that. Well, it's there. You'll find the letters of his name in the last third of that. So he's essentially putting anagrams in it. How would you even describe it? Like it's, one, it's yes. the movie Inception mm-hmm. where he's putting thing anagrams and anagrams and anagrams and you think you've solved it, but. Yeah, not in all of them. Yeah. But in the okay. 340 cipher, yes. I think it is an anagram inside of another type of coding that I don't even know the word of, but which took a computer program to break. Now we're left with 340 letters. And so remove Gary Francis post right. and then you're left with 320 five or something like that and now we need to rearrange those into the real message and i bet there's going to be something pretty revealing in there but we haven't got there yet <laughs> and, and when i say we i'm playing that very loosely because this, i don't think i'm much of a help on this i think like dale is the one who has learned how to do this and has i made would look at progress. all those letters and just yeah. that's, well, that's not what my i was thing. gonna ask is how was he able to do this and then now, all these years later, it takes a computer program to decipher yeah. it. And he could just... Gary Post was in the Air Force, and he was a radar man. And part of the training for that job is being trained in cryptology, because um, at least at one of the bases he was assigned to in Greenland, he was up by what's called the Distant Early Warning Line, which was uh, had several military bases along this arctic line to ensure that russia didn't come over the north pole and try to invade us so these um you know different outposts or military posts up there would have to communicate with each other frequently but of course back then you know you don't have automated crypto like we did when i was in the army you had to encode your messages or i think that's the right word encode your messages by hand or manually before sending them And so he was trained in all of that. And from what I'm told through Tom, a couple of the case breaker members are Vietnam era military guys. And and they agree that the type of coding that post used, you know, to make these anagrams into taunting letters matches up with the type of training that he would have had back during that time. Makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. That's what I know. Everything that you learn about this guy, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense too. Oh, that makes sense too. Okay, there's nothing here yet that I have to explain away that doesn't make sense. When it first came out, everyone, the news headlines just kept showing that picture of the forehead wrinkles. And then everyone's just like, they caught him because of forehead wrinkles. And I had to say, I'm not going to fight with people online today. Nope. <laughs> I had to nope. step back because I was like, it's not just forehead. Re- no one. I've learned that people don't read the entire article. They just see Correct. the headline of the yeah. circled forehead wrinkles or scars. Yeah. And so, and I've been trying to tell people there's more to it than that. Re- actually read the articles, mm-hmm. but people just see the headlines and they, yeah. they make, I think the thing is, is this is one of those cases where, Everyone has a theory on who it is, and no one really wants it to their theory wrong. 
And they right, also, right. they want it to be exciting, like D.B. Cooper or yeah. someone. And then they're like, who is this Gary Post? Yeah. But it's kind of like the, like the Golden State Killer thing. I was really interested in that case and followed it along in the day that was solved. I, my first thing was, who is Joseph D'Angelo? Totally. Yeah. So it mm. doesn't have to be someone that you know. And that actually kind of yeah. makes more sense if you don't know yeah, the absolutely. name. Because they haven't been... Yeah. Or, you know, looked at yeah. through a close That's lens. That's exactly right. I mean, serial killers, for the most part, the ones that get away with it for, you know, years on end are master manipulators. Like, they've exactly. learned to compartmentalize that part of their life and keep it completely separate and secret from their regular public family persona life, you know? And I've, I know I've seen a ton of um, comments online about this guy was never a suspect. Right. Duh. This is why. I mean, because he was really good at, not being a suspect or not being suspicious. Yeah, Joseph D'Angelo, same thing. Ted Bundy, same thing. Until, you know, he broke out of jail and then was like spiraling out of control as he right. ran across the country. But prior to that, mm-hmm. you know, he No one knew who country. Ted Bundy was. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all of them, this falls right in with, you know, that, that concept or that aspect of a serial killer. What did, it was your, the guy that wrote the paper's friend that told him that he thought it was this guy. Yeah. Well, not a friend. I would call him a source. A a source. So do you know what that person had told him? Why he thought it might be? I know some of it. Um, Well, actually, I know all of it, but I'm I'm only privy. Well, what you can tell us. (laughs) Yeah. Will, which is what we're calling him, because he's been asked to stay anonymous and and be kept confidential, and that's totally Mm -hmm. fine. So we're just calling him Will, but um, he, like I said, he came to know Gary Post in his young years. He didn't have a father figure. His dad was gone, and and um, I can't honestly remember exactly how he got linked up with Gary Post as a kid, but Gary kind of took him under his wing because Gary didn't have any kids of his own either and taught him how to hunt, fish, live off the land, you know, spend days on end in the wilderness with very few supplies, and and. Will didn't have any suspicion about him in his younger years. It wasn't until much later in life when, for whatever reason, he he started reading about the Zodiac case and like looking at some of the photos that had been put out in the media, the sketches and stuff like that. And was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that my father figure kind of fits the personality mm-hmm. of this. So he actually confronted Post over this and Post tried to kill him. He tried to hit him in the head with a hammer. He hit him in the shoulder fortunately missed his head and so will basically went on the run and this was you know this was 2013 time frame 2014 in there oh wow went on the run went into hiding became homeless and was in the san francisco bay area trying to talk to law enforcement and get somebody to listen to him because post was still alive then mm-hmm. of course nobody would he went to all the media outlets nobody would listen but dale for whatever reason felt like i his gut instinct maybe like this is somebody mm-hmm. maybe I should sit down with, at least hear him out. Yeah, at least get the story. He took a chance on him, you know, and that's that's exactly what happened. And so he and Will kind of researched and worked together over the coming years, you know, off and on through this whole process, gathering more information and learning more about Gary Post and stuff like that. So so that's how it was brought to Dale originally. And that's something I really respected about Dale because I could see myself totally doing that. 
like I, you know, I'm kind of like, I always go for the underdog, I guess you could say. And mm-hmm. I would be interested to hear someone's story like that. Just like when Dale came to me, although I was skeptical, I'm like, I'm still interested in it. And right. if I was in his position, I'd want someone to read my manuscript. So why not? You know, but yeah, that's how the whole thing started. <laughs> and um, really, I think what another thing that I feel makes Dale's work um, valid is you had to you had to deconstruct this case from the end backwards, which is not normally how we would investigate, right? Like you start with a crime scene and a victim and you work forward. But really in this case, you had to do it the opposite way. Um, And without Gary Francis Post's name, you can't properly decrypt those anagrams. And so Dale had to deconstruct it starting from the end and go back to the beginning, which is so unique. I mean, that just doesn't really happen, but in this particular case, it's what worked. This is might be a dumb question. So since his name has an A, an O, an E, does that mean all of those letters had to be removed? Mm-mm. So just the, one the of vowels. Each. Oh, yeah, just, just one. one. Of, okay. Yep. That makes more sense because I yeah, was thinking a, that'd be I difficult to do without that many Yeah, vowels. I think there's three. I think in his whole name, there's three letters that are repeated twice. But So like O is one of them. Wait, is that right? No, E. But you have to take out two. Like okay. there's two E's you got to take the two E's out, but no, you don't, you, you don't take all, like if there's four F's, you don't take all four F's, just one. So we know that he was married at least mm-hmm. at some point. Was he married when he passed away? Do we know? I think he may have still been legally married, but was definitely not with his wife anymore because, um, because in 2016 he was arrested for domestic violence. But yeah, he got married in 1971. I know that. Never had any children. And that was his only marriage. I mean, none that we know of. And I don't, you know, none that he apparently knew of. <laughs> right. So that, so. that kind of makes sense why he would have people that he had son-like figures. With, yeah. I yeah. guess, so to speak. Because if he had his yeah. own kids, he'd be busy with them. So people are calling them forehead wrinkles. But he actually, they're scars. They're scars. Yeah. Kind of. They look like wrinkles. I yeah, wouldn't really know do. anything, but I think it's just the way they're, you know, on the forehead. Yeah. So he got into a, is it a car accident or was mm-hmm. it an, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I went off topic there about the forehead scars. Which, oh, no, yeah, no. I was really disappointed that that's what the media latched onto. Cause yeah, it made it sound so stupid. And it's like, yeah. no, that is not how we came to this conclusion, but I just told you how we came to it anyways. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it is so, still interesting that, I mean, that yeah. makes sense because even though people say, oh, they're just forehead wrinkles and there's a sketch that was, I guess, edited a little bit to make them lighter, but they're still there. Yeah. They never took those out. So it makes it makes you think that mm-hmm. whoever gave the police the original ID, they were prominent enough to mention at least a little that's, bit. That's something that someone else brought to me a couple of days ago. They're like, well, wasn't he in his thirties, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you don't usually have prominent forehead wrinkles in your thirties. I mean, you have some, but are they prominent enough for them to stick out to an eyewitness, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I thought that was a good observation that I hadn't really thought about, but yeah, he, when he was at his first duty base in the air force up in, I think, Indiana or Illinois, he went out with three buddies, three fellow airmen one night, got drunk, drove drunk, and got in a wreck, actually killed one of the airmen. And then Gary Post, he definitely had like a severe traumatic brain injury and other injuries and was in the hospital for many weeks. Oh, wow. But that wreck was the source of the scars on his forehead. 
And so, yeah, it's extremely circumstantial and I totally understand that, but it's just Mm -hmm. one thing that yet again, sort of fell into place with him being the guy. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. where the the forehead thing came from, but it's yeah. disappointing. It's that not that's like what that's the thinks. only thing you have. You that's not even the most important. That's like thing. the most minimal thing. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> I guess it's just because of the picture of the sketch. Yeah, people really want to latch on to that. People want it to be a, like a portrait. Yeah, and it's just. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I put about no stock in eyewitness sketches. I mean, I'm sorry. I know there's very talented sketch artists, but eyewitness accounts, as you guys know, like are terrible. Like your memory is just horrible during. Well, even Joseph like D'Angelo that. sketches when he was yeah. younger. I don't think that looks anything that doesn't like, look him. like him. Exactly. And I mean, the two different sketches that they had of him don't look anything like yeah. the sketch. So. Yeah, exactly. Like the Delphi murders. I mean, that's another one you're like, huh? I mean, you had this old guy sketch and then you got a young one. I don't know what's going on there, but I don't put any stock hardly in sketches. I think maybe that's what got latched onto because that's what there were photos of the Tahoe Tribune on Saturday, which was three days after the, the, you know, after we broke this to the media, a reporter up there actually had exclusive rights to some of Dale's work and actually three of the decoded anagrams. And he published that information with some pictures of Dale's physical work on anagrams where he printed out all the letters and was like rearranging them. And I'm like, I wish that is the photo that had been used from the start. You know, I think that would have been had a little better impact, but it is what it is. So is it Sherry Jo Bates? Mm -hmm. The police do not necessarily think, well, they don't think she was a victim of the Zodiac, but you all do. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a good possibility. So Sherry Jo Bates was killed in 1966, which was a couple years before the serial crimes from Zodiac up in the San Francisco Bay Area. She was coming out of the school library, I believe it was, to her car and got ambushed in some form or fashion during that and was found in a back alley dead. And of course, it's gone unsolved for all these years. But back in the day, I don't know the exact year, but I actually have the memo actually printed it out earlier from the FBI back a long time ago saying they thought that her murder may be connected to the Zodiac. On top of that, we just found this out a couple of days ago. There, I have also have this memo too. There's a memo from many years ago from the guy who was the police chief of Riverside PD at the time Sherry was killed. He sent a memo up to San Francisco in 1969 after the Zodiac killing spree or whatever went on up there, he sent a memo to law enforcement agencies up there saying he thought that Zodiac may have killed Sherry Jo Bates. So now you've got two law enforcement officers with a very vested interest in her case saying they think it may be linked. That aside, um, my understanding, which we've also discovered in the last couple of days, is that Riverside apparently pulled an unknown foreign DNA sample off Sherry's clothing in 2017. And I'm like, where's, where's that sample? What have you done with that sample? We don't know yet what was done or not done. But I'm like, I really want to know if they submitted it to CODIS for DNA comparison, number one. I mean, that right. should just be standard procedure. And if not, why? Because Especially that would be- that late, like 2017, yeah. you said? Yeah, yeah. You would think that would be the standard at that point. Yeah, it is. And I think it's, if they did not, that's obstruction of justice right there. I mean, they're obstructing their own investigation. 
So if you did submit it to CODIS and you got no match, what's the problem with testing it against Gary Post's DNA to confirm or deny our beliefs? And that, yeah. that's where we're stuck with them right now. They just are digging their heels in and refuse to So you don't know at, at this point if they still have, or if they even have her DNA at all. I would sure like to hope that they, they hold should on to have that. it. Yeah, if, I mean, if, by procedure, you don't destroy evidence from a homicide until it's solved. There's no statute of limitations. So I would sure hope that, especially since they recovered that DNA sample just four years ago, that they still have it on file. So since he's not an official suspect, what's mm-hmm. the protocol for going about getting his DNA to test it? His DNA was taken when he was arrested in 2016. Uh-huh. And the Vallejo Police Department has that sample. Okay. So all we need is Riverside and Vallejo to get together and do a comparison and either say yay gotcha. or nay. And then we'll go so on our way. So the police have to do that yes. to get... Yes. Yeah. Now, we <sighs> have a connection to an independent accredited lab that is willing to do the comparison for them. But of course, I'm quite sure that they're not going to accept yeah. that offer. Um, and I would actually prefer that because at this point, I don't trust them anyways. If, even mm-hmm. if they did a comparison and said, nope, didn't match, I really wouldn't trust that finding. So, so yeah, we're stuck on that. But the other thing about other circumstantial pieces of information about Sherry. So Post was receiving treatment at a hospital 15 minutes away from where she was killed at, hmm. in the time frame she was killed. So we can place okay. him, positively place scene. him in that area. The killer lost their wristwatch during the fight or scuffle with Sherry and Riverside police supposedly recovered it. And I hope still have that. I don't know. But on that wristwatch were paint specs. And by that time, Post had started his house painting business, which is was his post-military career for the rest of his life. So it would make sense that he'd have paint spatter on his wristwatch. And then thirdly, he took credit for her killer for her murder. And I just don't believe he's the type of person to take credit for a homicide that he did not commit. So again, those are all circumstantial. But when you start piling up the circumstantial information, there should come a point where common sense comes in. It's like, well, we need to at least check this guy out. You've probably seen the Riverside, the public information officer on TV in the past week saying, we are absolutely certain that her murder has nothing to do with Zodiac. Uh, you don't know who Zodiac was. <laughs> like You right. can't be certain if you won't run DNA. Exactly. They, they should at least say, I mean, if anything, that we're fairly certain or pretty right. sure. Yeah. It's kind of strange to me that they keep making, well, it's like, okay, well, then who killed her? If you're yes. so sure, then you would have to yes. know a killer to say, we are 100% yes. sure yes. it was not the Zodiac. Why are they digging their heels in so much? Um, I mean, I have theories, and this is all speculation because they won't talk to us, really. Yeah. But either they could have mishandled or contaminated that DNA sample, and they don't want that known. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to be proved wrong by a bunch of civilians or amateur mm-hmm. sleuths. <laughs> Um, but, but ultimately any theory I can come up with kind of just goes back to ego and that's just like, there's no place for that in law enforcement when you're there to keep your public safe and they're paying you to do so. And when they're paying you to find answers for victims and their families of homicide. So I just, like I said earlier, I think it's egregious, their behavior and their answer to, you know, us, us wanting their assistance. But let's find out if he did or not. Yeah, and then let's if move you have on. The DNA, right. test yeah. the DNA. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then they can get on TV and like gloat all they want and say, see, we were right. We were right. And they, and that's and fine. they would. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like the purpose. Fine. We, would, we don't care. Like, yeah. And then so. keeping his DNA. We've covered a, you would think this never happens, but it does. We've covered plenty of cases where they won't test DNA. They have yeah. DNA. And they just won't test it. And yep. you could, I don't get it. You could definitively yeah. prove this guy's done it. Yeah. So why? No trial. He did it. That's his DNA. Or he didn't, and you need to get so frustrating. (laughs) I seriously wondered about that in Rebecca's case, too. Like, did did they have an unknown foreign DNA sample all these years, and they didn't do anything with it? Uh, I'm going to be furious. Well, that's another example of, because I've seen a lot of people like, well, well, the police are saying these people are wrong, and then this isn't the Zodiac. And I'm like... Yeah, well, also, there's been a lot of cases like this where yeah. this has happened. But, Rebecca's case, the police dug their heels in, and uh, we live in Arkansas. Yeah. I don't want to say too much about I know, but I don't about, think it was in danger. So. About this situation. <laughs> but I'm saying they were not cooperative. Right. They, not at all. Not one bit. Over, you know, 15 years, they still weren't releasing things to the public, even though... Yeah. They it could were, have helped. Yeah, they were at a dead end. And yeah. even it could have helped, but it's just like... I don't know if it's stubbornness, ego, or whatever, but you do see this happen, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not it's too common. It's not unusual that people no. have an ego about it. Yeah, and that's just really unfortunate because, uh-huh. again, you, I mean, and you, you know, law enforcement officers with a badge are specially trained and all that, but you have so many other people out there who are willing to help and have mm-hmm. skills to offer. So, mm-hmm. what is the problem? There's like no short answer to any of this is the problem. It's like, but you have to give the backstory. Otherwise it doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, for sure. And I'm trying to think. So I, you've been posting new information, new articles that have been out and I've been reading those and the tree thing was something that was new to me, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I had also saw, listened to or read somewhere that maybe one of the victims had ties to post. Oh, yeah. So did Paul I misinterpret Stein, that? No, no, you did not. Paul Stein um, is a murder victim that was attributed to the Zodiac killer. And they were able to positively link him to Zodiac because his killer retrieved a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt at the scene and mailed that in with one of those right. haunting okay. letters in order to prove that he'd been the one that killed him. And I tend to think that Zodiac did that in that case because it was not really in line with his typical MO, even though his MO is really different from a lot of others. Yeah. But I think he knew police were going to be skeptical that he'd killed Paul. And so that's why he mailed in that piece of evidence. But in one of the anagrams that um, Dale decrypted, it does say, it does say that um, Paul Stein basically the, the post and Paul Stein had had previous business together and they had a falling out or some perceived, you know, offense and that Paul Stein was like a personal victim to post. Whereas the others that he claimed they were all strangers to him. He didn't know them prior. Paul was the right. only one. So that, that information is in one of those decrypted anagrams. And yet again, that's just another thing that falls in place with post mm-hmm. being this perpetrator. So is there any evidence that post is tied to him in any way? Did he have any type of, he said business. See, I need to read the manuscript again. I'm pretty sure Dale said he tracked that down and did find a personal, a personal business connection that had occurred between the two. Yeah. 
but I'd be lying if I tried to give you any more detail on that right oh, now because yeah. I just oh, can't yeah, remember. That's fine. But that was yeah. definitely interesting. And that was the, he was a taxi driver. He was the taxi driver. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was shot. Um, and by the way, Will, you probably read this too. Will believes that he remembers the location where Post buried some of the am- potentially ammunition and guns mm-hmm. that were used in the commission of some of these crimes and is willing to provide that location. But again, we need a badge law enforcement officer to go retrieve that evidence. I mean, if yeah. we, we technically could do it, but then it's they'll say it's contaminated yeah, or we yeah. planted it or whatever. So and, it, and, and I don't think this case will ever go to court because Post is dead. But again, you don't you still don't want to like rule that evidence inadmissible or mm-hmm. have it be not considered, you know, because a bunch of civilians collected it, you know. So we, we really that's that's the other piece that we really want law enforcement to get on board with is is accompanying Will and whoever up there to retrieve this evidence and then do ballistics testing on it. Hmm. Have they said why they won't help? No, we've got no answer on that one that I know of. It just seems odd um, that they wouldn't at least just yeah just just to it's, shut y'all up. No offense. Just I know, okay, I know, let I us go I look yeah. and yeah. show you there's nothing there and then yeah. we'll be done. Right. So, I know. Oh, so frustrating. I mean, I think I, I see both sides of this. You know, law enforcement, I'm sure it's sick and tired of Zodiac. And it's been over 50 years and you've got right. thousands of people who have come forward with the tip and thought they solved it. And they know Zodiac's probably dead. And it's just like there's more pressing cases to work on. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if Post is dead or, you know, obviously his victims are dead and most of their family members. They, I don't care. They still deserve yeah, answers. If, for if sure, we're sure. capable of getting those answers, why why don't we? Exactly. I mean, and then, we've done the bulk yeah. of the investigating and the research on it and handed you a silver platter basically saying this is all you need to do. Um, so, yeah, I don't it's it's frustrating, but, you know, I I'm still optimistic that ultimately this is going to get figured out. And that's that's actually one reason we broke this to the media because we tried for so long to do this behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, get R- Riverside Years. to do something. You know, this this gun retrieval, whatnot. And nobody would do anything, and it's like, okay, well, we're stuck. I mean, I would much prefer for you know the San Francisco Police Department to be the one out making a press conference saying we finally figured it out. We finally got some answers for our community. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but obviously they weren't interested in going that route. So we, we had to do something. Yeah. Well, maybe this will at least it's putting pressure on. I know. Yeah. There are a yeah. lot of sources coming out saying, Oh, well, this is just, yeah. it's not right information, but at the same time, they're not saying who it is or they're not giving any information as to why yeah. it's not Gary. Why isn't yeah. it? Law enforcement, I will give them credit. They really haven't like, at least the FBI hasn't said, Oh, we totally don't believe this group and this is invalid information. Mm-hmm. All they've said is it's still an open case, which is right. A yeah, fact. that's true. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not asking them to just jump on board with us and say, Oh yeah, we solved it. You know, yeah. that's, that's not it. So they have not, there's no law enforcement that has debunked our findings. So, I mean, I'll, I'll make that crystal clear right now. Cause a lot of people are saying that, Oh no, law enforcement said they're wrong. No, they, they've not said that. Um, true. They, it's more like no place I guess to say if journalists. Right or wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess that's true. There's a lot of people invested in the case that are saying that, but at the same time, they yeah they don't want to be wrong in what they think. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. All and I expected skepticism. I didn't expect 
like personal attacks and hateful yeah, comments but I mean it is what it is I mean those people have to live with themselves and I don't, I don't even look at Twitter I refuse <laughs> I don't blame you because yeah, I just keep pretty, seeing uh I don't know the article the headlines are just very misleading I guess or in, incomplete incomplete it yeah. says one thing people read the headline and then mm-hmm. then I keep seeing forehead wrinkles and yeah <laughs> You know? Yeah. And, oh, they said they solved it. No, we never said that. You yeah, know? We, we've not used that word. Um, it's more complicated. So I'm yeah. sure we have a lot of listeners that are skeptic about this, mm-hmm. and that's good. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Not, yeah, that's healthy. That's, but we're at least asking our listeners and more people to, if you don't think this is the guy. Just read the articles that come out and look at the information and draw your yeah. own conclusions. Yeah, don't yeah. just say, yeah. "Oh, but I it had to be DB Cooper or yeah. that one guy's dad or all these other wild goose chases." I can't. Because I'm just kind of like sometimes the right answer isn't some big yeah, aha. what you want it to be. And I mean, just know like for the listeners and the general public, I mean, maybe 10% of what we know has been made public. So the only the tip of the iceberg is out there right now. And there's a whole heck of a lot more information to come, but you know, we're just not, you know, there's obviously a strategy for keeping something confidential for now. And, and also the majority of this was Dale's work. This is his story to tell. It's his book, you know, and we don't want to take that away from him. So, you know, he's on his own time schedule too, and has a full-time career and other stuff that that's going on. So. Okay, just, so that makes sense. There's more, yeah, there's he's not there's going so to show more. all of his cards at once. Right. He's, yeah. yeah. So there's exactly. more there's more to the Gary Post yes. story yes. at the end of the Absolutely. day that people will learn. And I had another question. The so the photos of him, those were retrieved from his dark room? Is that right? You know, I'd actually never heard that before the, the newspaper article. Okay. Uh, I wasn't aware of any dark room, but maybe he had one and I just wasn't privy to that piece of information but yeah i don't i don't know like the guy's been dead since 2018 i don't know where this dark room huh, is or yeah, was, but, i just thought that was a little interesting um, i mean they could have been retrieved before 2018 i guess but i do know that dale has a lot a lot more photos and many many more photos than what's been put out there you know they just chose a select few mm-hmm. to release but there's a whole lot more photos that'll come out eventually and again just great detail about Dale's work. And mm-hmm. I just really think once people read that book and understand his methodology and why he most likely decrypted these anagrams correctly, that it all points to this guy and for wrong or wrong. Yeah. It's not like you're, it's not a competition. You're not exactly. Right. That's it's frustrating. <laughs> no one's going to beat you all up. Yeah. You're wrong. Right. Everyone join in and try to get the case solved. I don't, Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, so you don't know the timeline, really, that he's going to... I wish I did, but no, mm-hmm. I don't. I know that his manuscript is at an editing company, but beyond that, I don't know what the, the yeah, time frame is. Yeah, definitely be interested in reading yeah. that. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is things keep developing. So mm-hmm. I think they want to hold off publishing because we want to see what happens with the police department and whether we can get some confirmation or not. And to add that in, because that is obviously part of the story. So that's probably part of the holdup, too. Is there anything else about Gary's life that we didn't discuss? So he was married. He had domestic violence in his past. Was that the only really run in? He, well, I mean, that's a big one, domestic violence. 
the wreck. That's the only one we know of. The drunk driving. So, like, his record basically showed, his public record yes, showed that. that was totally confirmed. Over the course of years, you know, Dale and others have gotten in touch with some of the airmen who served with him. And several said after that car wreck, he was, like, a different person. And that's mm-hmm. one, like, I've studied traumatic brain injuries yeah. that I wrote on for my thesis. So, I, I think I have a pretty good understanding. And and right away, I was like, yeah, he, he must have had a massive brain injury. If it, I mean, they literally said it changes personality. And so I really do wonder if that was like the turning point towards this series of crimes for whatever reason. The scars are on his forehead and your frontal lobe's not that far behind it. And personality changes often are a result of damage to the frontal lobe. Because that's the biggie. I, yeah. I at least know that much, but that would make sense. The, yeah. The shift in personality yeah. or, mm-hmm. I don't know. And a lot of people want there to be forensic evidence tying the Zodiac yeah to his victims but another thing is is he shot people and yeah. there's not really there won't be any he didn't rape anybody right so our knowledge. no not just semen all over he didn't <laughs> Correct. which is a, right. a biggie to where people get caught you know um he yeah. didn't, golden state killer yeah. messed around in houses and did all this stuff and raped his victims he was kind of separated from the bodies at least a little yeah. bit other than uh paul who he at least cut the shirt yeah, but yeah, um, but he wore gloves to that scene. Exactly. So you so, know he was he's already using forensic countermeasures, even though that wasn't even a known term. That back is then. kind of interesting. I will say that he was so careful back then because no one else really was. But, yeah. So there was no DNA, foreign DNA, at any of those scenes, correct? You know, I don't want to make that claim because I okay. honestly, I don't know that we... I wasn't for uh, sure. Yeah, but. I don't know that we know that for sure. So I, I believe it may be Paul's case or one of the other shootings that they have a bullet and possibly a casing, I thought mm-hmm. I heard. But, you know, again, they've been kind of tight-lipped over the years, so yeah. they, they could very well still have evidence from some of those scenes that could be retested just like in Sherry's case, you know, and they discover this uh, DNA sample. So I don't, I don't want to say that there's, there's no. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't completely sure. I hadn't looked that up yet, Mm -hmm. but I just, there might not be stuff like that. That's why if he was involved in Sherry's case, that's a biggie to why we need to test that DNA because. Sure. I say we. Yeah. <laughs> they. Uh, yeah. They amateur sleuths. I need, I'm going to crack. The, no. No. Right. But do we know, we, do you all know where, when Gary died in 2018, what happened to his house or where he was living? Who, or basically all um, of his stuff? Because I just wonder if he had anything. I don't, I don't know about his stuff. So he had been arrested in 2016. He was, he got his court case tied up in the courts until his death basically because his lawyer um made a claim of mental incompetence and he Mm -hmm. actually won that claim and was put into you know a state-run like nursing home or whatever and that's where he passed away that's a good question about his belongings though i actually don't know what became of his belongings or what he even owned by the time he was arrested you know but that i guarantee that's something that has been looked into or that will be. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Dale's looked into that. If he had some box of news clippings or I don't know, something. Because right. <laughs> you would think he would keep something. But then again, who knows? Yeah. I know that they've recovered many handwriting samples from him 
So those are those have been mm-hmm. offered up to law enforcement for comparison. Um, I don't know if I'm not confident or I'm not positive if any law enforcement agency has done any comparison yet on those. But um, and the, the, here's another thing about Gary Post. He was ambidextrous. When I when I first started talking with Dale and I was looking at those letters again, I'm like, I forget which one it was, but I was like, this one, I think he he turned the paper upside down and wrote the letters upside down, you know, to disguise mm. his handwriting. Yeah, he and I feel did. like he did a lot of that throughout these letters because the handwriting it's similar, but it's not always the same. And but apparently, according to Will, like this guy could write with both hands, and of course, even if you can do that, your handwriting is different depending yeah. on hand you're writing with. So, so that could make handwriting analysis more difficult, but just in some rudimentary observation, mm-hmm. it looks similar. <laughs> and um, one other interesting tidbit, you know, Zodiac has his signature, you know, the, the circle with the cross through it. And of course, there's been lots of speculation on wh- where that came from. But one, one idea that Dale had that I kind of agree with is that it may be a representation of the radar screen that he looked at day in day out because it is the same <laughs> circle with the cross through it and actually a radar huh. screen i found this out for my husband but in radar although the screen the, the lines technically stop at the edge of the circle in mathematically they do not they actually go on and so that could be why okay. those yeah. lines extend out past the edges of the circle and so anyways, if, if that's why he put that symbol in every letter, then there's another clue he was trying to give his identity. But, you know, nobody picked up on it. That's true. Whatever that symbol was, that at least meant something, something. to him. I totally agree. I yeah. thought it always looked like a like the crosshairs, like in a scope, like a gun. It's, that's what, yeah. That's mm. what a lot of people have surmised. Or the Zodiac watch, that brand yeah. of watch, I uh-huh. guess, has a similar symbol. So it could have been a combination of many things. Yeah. You know, but hmm. anyways, I just thought when Dale That's thought of that idea, I was like, oh man, that would actually make sense if this that is the guy. Yeah. Gosh. So what does Zodiac mean? Like, why do you think he chose that as his? I mean, it's, you know, uh, astrology symbol. Um, there's at least one tie to Zodiac directly that I know between him I guess and being in the Air Force, which is when they when airmen would get transported up to Tool Air Force Base in Greenland, which was the second duty station, they would be you know ride on a big transport ship, but the ship couldn't it was too big to dock at the shore, so they'd bring out these small boats to retrieve the guys and bring them to shore, and those boats were called zodiac boats, and they were undetectable by radar. <laughs> So, well, well, that's it. That's it for me. We're done. We're, this interview's over. <laughs> if only we were the the San Francisco police. I mean, <laughs> we would go tonight. <laughs> like, let's, that's kind of that's, incredible, though. I mean, it, it's yeah. kind of off. The little pieces are. That's exactly, yeah. It's like there's nothing. It doesn't mean anything apart, separate, but when you put it all together, it's like, yeah. oh, this is this is 100%. Yeah. I wish I knew that quote by Kelly Siegler on it's oh, the I love show her. I watch on Oxygen. I can't even, Cold Kate? Or, Cold I don't Justice. Know. Cold, Cold Justice. Justice. She mm-hmm. said something. It's like, you can, oh, is it, you can break, you can break mm-hmm. one pencil, but if Easily, you have yeah. all these pencils together and you have them, you can't, like, it's. That's correct. Compare That's an analogy for circumstantial evidence. 
I actually used that once in one of my articles. I used her quote because I thought that was so brilliant. Yeah, I, that, that makes you know? sense. That's one that really yeah. stuck with me because I'm like, I mean, sometimes there is not de- DNA. No, right. not and we can't see them everywhere, and we yeah. can't get hung up on well, where's the DNA? Right. It, it's easy mm-hmm. to want DNA, but sometimes we can't get that. So, Correct. I mean, DNA wasn't yeah. always around to solve cases, so it's kind of yeah. one of those things. If you have, you have to solve a case sometimes without DNA, and if other ways, a, yeah. A million pencils <laughs> pointing yeah. at Gary. Then I yeah. mean, it is what it is. I mean, we could find out other information later, but yeah big criticism by people's like, well, I won't believe this till there's DNA. And it's like, we are trying to get them to do the yes. DNA. <laughs> That's, I had to like, get myself off social like, media. I was like, there's... Yep. <laughs> but yeah, and there's like so much more about Gary's background, little tidbits like that, that once mm-hmm. everybody finds out, again, I think if people will at least read Dale's book objectively, <laughs> sure. you know, we're, we're not out to like necessarily convince everybody. We just we are looking for affirmation, you know, mm-hmm. from law enforcement and other professionals, or really anybody, but, you know, I, I think a lot of minds, I think a lot of people scratch their head at least once they read yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. Like at least so. give it an open mind. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, lots of these critics out there, they've written their own books. It's like, well, you wanted people to do the same thing for you. Exactly. So right. why are you being hateful? <laughs> Is there anything we didn't touch on that we need to talk about the Zodiac or Gary? I think that's the main stuff. If Mm -hmm. um, listeners want to find out more about our work on it, you can go to the Casebreakers website, which is thecasebreakers.org. We are a nonprofit. Nobody makes any money, not even Tom. But um, it's got all the team bios on there. It's got links to some of the cases we're working. Like, I think we're going to talk about Debbie Williamson case. Mm. In a second, that's the current case I'm working on. So they've got some articles and um, news clips and stuff uploaded about her case, you know, and others. And, and there will be more to come. We're kind of overloaded right now. We're like, oh, I'm sure. Imagine with emails and stuff. But um, Tom's wife, she runs the website. She's doing her best to keep oh, up and keep adding content. So I mean, yeah. check it periodically, and you can find mm-hmm. out more about us and. People and for this episode, that. we will add the link to that in our show okay, notes great. so that listeners can just check that out and we'll share it to our socials. But before we get into something else, um, are you working on other cases with the Casebreakers right now? Or do you work on multiple uh, things at once with them? I know you're very, very busy. Yeah. But. Really with them right now, although I've I've been privy to information on um, the other the other three big cases that are on their website which was not at all their intention in the beginning mm-hmm, but anyways mm-hmm. i've been privy to the information behind their research on those but i just i don't have time yeah, um yeah. zodiac be, just because it's the one i know best now and i have that you know connection to dale and have been in the last two years of this journey with him and stuff that's that's the one i'm attached to most right now but i mean our hope for the long term is to establish teams around the country of qualified people who can collaborate with law enforcement to tackle some of these, you know, we have quarter million unsolved homicides in our country. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, it's not law enforcement's fault. They just cannot, they'll never catch up. That's the truth. So our hope is that we can bridge that gap eventually and get some more collaboration with them because we have so many volunteers who want to help. <laughs> yeah. You guys included. I know you're pointing to yourself. <laughs> we don't have totally. training, but I mean, we're loud now. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what, you don't need official training all the time. Right. 
Um, but we've already had like since last Wednesday, hundreds of emails of people wanting to that's be incredible. a volunteer. So that's, that's mm-hmm. encouraging. So that's the long-term goal. And we, again, I, we've never intended to go after high profile cases. It's just, we ended up getting tips about these four mm-hmm. that were like, sure. well, we can't ignore this. So, but yeah, the, the long-term goal is to get teams around the country that can, that can work on what, you know, any unsolved case basically and offer great. their, yeah. That's really so, what I feel like is needed. Yeah. There's just too many. Too. Yeah. I mean, they just don't have the manpower and resources period. Right. And again, that's not, that's not law enforcement's fault by any means, but at the same time, be willing to accept some outside help. Right. So, cause uh, I mean, a victim's family doesn't give a shit who uncovers a tip or finds the killer. Right. They just want answers. So, and law enforcement ultimately gets, you know, they get the credit. They're the ones that have to go put handcuffs on somebody and do a press conference, not us. So, mm-hmm. and we're fine with that. I mean, I much prefer to operate behind the scenes mm-hmm. and be very low profile because it really helps <laughs> investigations when people don't know who you are. <laughs> That's very true. Mm-hmm. Don't know how to find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so we do have a lot of Texas listeners. And I know that you're working on a case now, um, Debbie Williamson. Correct. Yes. And it's an unsolved case, correct? Yeah. So Debbie Sue Williamson, she was 18 years old. She stabbed to death outside the back door of her home in Lubbock, Texas in 1975. So her case has gone unsolved for 46 years. Not only was she stabbed to death outside, but after that, the killer actually dragged her 25 feet or so from the carport where she was attacked to the back step of her home. And then they partially disrobed her, pulling down her pants and underwear and pushing up her shirt and bra. But there was no sign of sexual assault. And even though it was 1975, I have the autopsy report, and I do feel they did a pretty good job of trying to figure out if she'd been raped. And there was no evidence of rape. So her pants weren't down for that reason. Her purse was taken from the scene. That's, I think that's the only thing. Yeah, that's the only thing that was taken. A kitchen window was broken out, they think with like a garden hoe um, after the attack. And my guess is that was a feeble attempt at like staging a burglary gone wrong or something. Because if you see, I have photos on our website or on our Facebook of that kitchen window, but it's like several feet off the ground and tiny and you would end up in the person's kitchen sink if you, if you could crawl through mm-hmm. it. So it's like the most mm-hmm. unlikely window yeah. for a burglar to try to go through, which is why I'm like, okay, that was probably just staging, I guess. Anyways, I'm working with someone you guys know well, George Jarrett, mm-hmm. and we've teamed up again on Debbie's case. We traveled to Lubbock late August, the week of the anniversary of her death, and we met with two of Debbie's sisters that week. And um, did a lot of, you know, on the ground research, interviews, we met with police, we went to the crime scene multiple times, um, including on August 24th at 930, which is around the time on the night that she was killed, because we wanted to see that firsthand at that particular time, obviously. Yeah. Um, And we got in touch with a lot of people who'd known Debbie and her husband, Doug, at the time. And um, like I said, did a lot of interviews. We got a local news reporter very interested in the case and she brought us in all four of us in for interviews and they did a new segment which was really awesome and helped bring some public awareness to the case 
So, but the cool thing in Nevi's case is that Lubbock police is actually verbally said they're willing to collaborate with us and accept any information we send them. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know, it's hard to believe, year. right? No kidding. <laughs> I'm Someone like, wants to cooperate. We've never experienced this before. This is weird. <laughs> but they, wow. yeah. The, well, that's good. The sergeant we met with, um, who's over the homicide division, was incredibly gracious and talked to us for a very long period of time, which was really encouraging, you know, very encouraging. And we've we've been in touch with him since. So we've passed him quite a bit of information. And I don't know exactly what they're doing. That's, you know, they don't have to tell me. That's fine as long as they're doing running down tips. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, So we have a Facebook page for Debbie. If anybody wants to join and follow along and help us out. And I mean, we really encourage crowdsourcing and brainstorming and all that, but it's called Unsolved Murder of Deborah Sue Williamson. All you got to do is click join and you'll be in there. And me and George are the admins. And, you know, we try to make, several posts a week for discussion and then george's podcast is called diamond state murder board and he's had three episodes so far well two of them have raw interviews from debbie's sisters and then her widowed husband doug and then the third one was me and george discussing the value the potential value of the evidence that was collected in the scene yeah and then in collaboration with American Military University, I'm co-producing, well, I'm basically producing, but I'm co-producing with my editors, a podcast called Break the Case. And um, the first episode is supposed to be out this Friday, which is oh, great. the 15th, I think. And it's like the season opener on Debbie's case. And I know it sounds redundant because George has done some coverage already, but we have extremely different podcast formats and they're going to complement each other. So... And we hope listeners will obviously listen to both because you're going to get different information out of each one. Mm-hmm. Oh, for um, sure. I mean, yeah. some people, when they start learning about a case, they want to listen to every, every episode yes. or every podcast. I do. And I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, do too. I do too. As long as yeah. it's not another thing about Ted Bundy, I'm interested. <laughs> right. Or over Ted Bundy. I mean, if someone can have, if there's a thousand things on Ted Bundy, there can be, there should be a thousand things on mm-hmm. a victim like That's Deborah true. or Absolutely. Daddy. Yes. So absolutely. I don't think that's redundant at all. And we will link that up in our show notes as well. Awesome. And share it once we get that. So yeah. that it can so be an easy thing. Just go in there, click it, take listen, it there. Yeah. join, yeah. do all that Come stuff. Join. But there's just so much going on. And then I just today, William Miller was, uh, what is it? Yeah. I wrote it down, signed off. The lawyer signed off on a request to for him to be evaluated for mental incompetency. So that's correct. Yeah. We kind of often, yeah, give updates to the listeners about that case or Mm -hmm. any other cases. And this is just one that's been stretching out for far too long. I know that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's been almost a year since his arrest and, you know, more than 17 years since Rebecca was murdered. And I I keep telling people, I'm like, I think we have way more questions than answers after him being arrested because I'm still completely confused. But those answers are going to come out. So. I agree. The, the and another, that's been, another uh, thing. Yeah. I was like, who's William Miller? <laughs> Every time I, I find him. out someone, I'm like, who is this person? Yeah, yeah. Well, the most bizarre thing is he was in our, me and George's Facebook group for Rebecca for a year or more. And that's like, wow. I mean, that was pretty bold. <laughs> yeah. Commenting on things and engaging people in conversation. So 
that right there tells me you're not mentally incompetent along with 20,000 other things about his life. Like you're not going to win that one. And it's just, I just no. hate that it's tying up your justice system. Yeah. In your state, but it's that's a how stall it goes. tactic and waste yeah. of resources is I mean, my take on it. But George made a good point today that at least if they do this stuff now, it gives him one less reason to try to appeal the case. True. So that's true. If they, if they find him competent to stand trial, you know, he can't come back later and say, Oh, I was, I was incompetent. No, you, you were evaluated and you were not incompetent. So you can't make that claim. So, I mean, maybe it's a good thing that they're just getting this busy work run, out of the way now. Yeah, They'll <laughs> run psychological tests on him. And-, mm-hmm. uh, and I know like in a previous hearing this year, a couple months ago, I think it was, his lawyers had not yet been able to produce any sort of medical documentation of him receiving any, you know, mental health care or being on even anti-anxiety or anything like that. So, I mean, there's no history of it. So it's, if he's not going to, I don't expect him to win that, to win that oh, one. Oh, no. I would, it's annoying. Yeah. I would be shocked. I mean, that they're yeah. trying everything they can. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've covered more than yeah, you know. I'm going back. 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 No, that's what we want. We we love that information. We can't wait for more info to come out. And I need to dig into Debbie's case because Uh I'm in the Facebook group. Oh, good. I've been following it as closely as because Rebecca's case we covered. So I had to get involved in researching that. And, um, and well, you guys research a lot. I don't even know how you keep up, but. To put it's out an lot. episode every week on different Ask my, my commendable. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, will you lay with me until I go to sleep with your laptop? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I carry it around. Yeah. But, but we kind of, yeah. we talk about all kinds of cases, but the ones that are unsolved and lesser known are the ones that mm-hmm. I guess are most, most yeah. near and dear to us because. Yes. That's at the end of the day. That's what we want. Well, well we want yeah. them all to be well, solved. Well, that's like your Ted Bundy comment. It's like I know we get tired of hearing about the Casey Hand Anthony's him. and the yeah, and the, you know the the stories that are that, for whatever. But I'm like, there are just as many mm-hmm. horrible, terrible things that we've never even heard of, mm-hmm. and they deserve to yeah. be solved and have Absolutely. recognition and. So yes. it's like, I'm, I get tired of hearing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I commend you guys. I appreciate you, you know, bringing well, that type you. of awareness. Thank you so much for talking yeah. to us. We Absolutely. We're, Anytime. Yeah, you're. We're fangirls. We're fangirls. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. When I well, was both ways, at, so. Oh. We do our due diligence on every case, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really admire and respect your work. That's for sure. A hundred percent. I appreciate that. Thanks we for the kind words. We want to be you when we grow up. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have time to do all those things. <laughs> this is true. And you're a professor and just... Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do all your things. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> We're just too busy. That's why I was like, when we could get you for an interview, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because oh, I know no, you're please. a very busy woman and... We appreciate Doing it things much. that are very yeah. important, which we... Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. Well, we all are. And that's, you know, anytime. So, like I said, the more awareness, the better. That's what we're after. So. Yes. So thank, thank you, you for all your coverage. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. Take care, you guys. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye. So I actually found out a lot of stuff I didn't even know yet. Yeah. The symbol thing kind of blew my mind. The symbol. That's and, maybe where he got the. And the Zodiac mm-hmm. being the name of that 
the boat. I never even thought of I I kind of like you thought it was just a shotgun or rifle right. like the scope. Mm-hmm. She made it sound like there's a lot more that will be uncovered. Oh, for sure. A lot more so, they know that mm-hmm. they can't tell us yet. She's a smart cookie. She really is. I was nervous. You were fangirling. Um, we hope you all enjoyed that interview. I know interview episodes aren't for everyone, but this is kind this of a is big deal. Really interesting. I mean, I thought it was at least. We said we were going to be in Delaware, and we're sorry because it's going to be another week because we have our Halloween episode to do next week. It is two weeks till Halloween, mm-hmm. so we've got Halloween coming up, our Halloween episode, mm-hmm. and our giveaway. So it's the 13 days of Halloween. My favorite number. Exactly. So this is like our Christmas. So these <laughs> are our is, gifts to you. This is our, <laughs> this is our Super Bowl. <laughs> so counting down is Halloween would be the last, you know. So to start things off, it'll be October 19th. Keep your eyes peeled on our social medias. It'll all, they'll all have to be, you'll have to like, share, you know, if you've ever done a giveaway, you get the drill, and you might have to like some of the people that are involved Instagrams, but we have a really cool bath fizz of Jason. Oh my God, I want that so it's bad. Really, it smells really good, too. I wouldn't be able to use it. It's too cool. But we have that. We have glasses with our logos on them in kind of a spooky, witchy design. We have coasters. The coasters are fun cool. stuff, and there's Keith Morrison's on there, and those are all from Etsy Makers. There's some witch confetti, which basically is like crystals and just a fun assortment of things, and there's coloring books. I can't even remember. Stickers, magnets, just all kinds of fun stuff. So many cool we things. We might even throw some Halloween candy in the packages. We'll see. <laughs> no razor blades. No. That's not. We have a new patron. Well, let's talk about this person. Yeah, Rebecca from Washington State. <gasps> Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. We just released our October Patreon episode a week ago, so check that out. And we also wanted to say happy birthday, Andres. Happy birthday. We hope you're having a fun month of October so far. Oh, I've watched two new-to-me scary movies. Well-ish. What? Suspiria. Is one of them. What channel? I don't know if it's on... It might have been Hulu. No, it was on Amazon Prime. It has Dakota Johnson in it. It's witchy and very artsy and visual. It's like witchy black swan dancing. No, I'm not into it. I didn't dislike it, but I was also... The whole time I didn't understand what was happening. And then last night I watched In the Earth. It was on Netflix. was not my kind of movie. It was very... Have you ever seen The Happening with the plants and all that crap? This was like... A scary movie if plant stuff freaks you out. I don't even know what it was. If you love strobe lights and that's your thing. No, I feel like that's I'm going to strobe. Then I recommend that movie. Other than that, I was like, eh. It, a lot of people like so it. So do you watch these movies all the way through? Or do mm-hmm. you like 10 minutes in, you're like, this is bullshit and turn it off? Sometimes I do that. But this one, it was so slow in the beginning that I didn't know it was not my thing yet until the end. And I was... Working on notes and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. It was, you know, when it's like so late where you don't want to find something else. That's usually, oh, and I watched a movie called, the other night called Vampire from the 30s. It was like black and white. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I do too. I just kind of had that on in the background. But and? Those can be freaky no matter what because they have the white, white, white makeup on and their subtitles. Mm-hmm. And they're just, 
They're freaky. Mm-mm. No. They're, I don't know. I'm telling you, the movie that um, kind of got me into all of the scary things was the very first original black and white Night of the Living Dead. That's a good one. That movie terrified me. Yeah. That's a scary one. It's super scary. That is on, I saw it somewhere. It's either on it's Amazon on HBO or Max. HBO Max. That's it. They have a lot of old ones. I'm like, no. I was Even thinking now. about watching mm-hmm. one last night, but I just turned it on to something else. I'm like, I can't do zombies or vampires right now. Did you watch the a New American Horror Story? Not yet. It, it said it wasn't coming out until like 12 a.m. today. Oh, I don't know. Well, if you had FX. Watch, oh, no. No, it's I not watch great. it on Hulu. It came on last night. I watched Man. like the first 30 minutes of it and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, no. But you like aliens. I'm not a big alien person. I don't like aliens. I don't like sci-fi stuff. To be into all the weird shit I'm into, I'm not a big sci-fi person. I like aliens in a different way, like the movie The Fourth Kind. This is not scary. It's cheesy. <laughs> no, I don't like that. I need like a booger man. Have you ever seen the fourth kind? No, because I don't you need like, to see it. I don't it, like alien stuff. I'm just I don't like sci-fi alien stuff. I I need like a monster. I need a villain. I need somebody coming at me with a chainsaw. Mm-mm. Somebody hiding up in the woods. Not I, alien in the I woods. don't want to see like a light come out of the sky and like they're just covered in snot and shit. No. You know I'm going to have to play alien music. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't kidding. like the alien. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I, I don't want to be like raptured by a spaceship, but <laughs> it just, Ooh. it's not my. Mm-hmm. I think there are hits and misses with it. And I think it's just become so hokey mm-hmm. with the big, the green men and the big eyes and the, mm-hmm. and you know, the mm-hmm. music. I'm just like, okay, beam me up, Scotty, and the, all that shit. I'm like, you've almost made it to the point where it's not mm-hmm. spooky anymore. It's just kind of cheesy. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That being said, the new Halloween comes out tomorrow. Really? On th- in theaters or is not it tomorrow? On- well, tomorrow for us. Oh, yeah. But the 15th, mm-hmm. October 15th. Yeah, in theaters with Kyle Richards in it. Well, because, you know, she was the little girl uh-huh. from the original. No, so I she know. plays her know. in this one, but she's all grown up and has kids of her own. Interesting. I know. I want to go see it tomorrow, but I have Max and he's seven and can't go. He's seven. <laughs> I mean, he would t- totally go, but then <laughs> no. I will never get him out of my bed. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. No. If you have any scary movie suggestions, send us a, an email or DM us. Or if you have any spooky podcast suggestions, because mm-hmm. I'm I'm drawing a blank. One. Do you? Do you listen to Creepy? No. It's a good one. It's fiction, but it's I love it. It's fiction. Mm-hmm. It's not like... No, it's really good. It's, <laughs> creepy. Okay, it's I'm looking it up. Creepy. I'm going to look it up. I've recently completely binged Weird Darkness. I haven't listened to it. It's it's kind of got, it's got like true stories and like <laughs> paranormal stuff and witches mm-hmm. and, and just the format's really cool. And so I've binged that one and God to the Unknown. It's pretty cool. The brother, sister that do it. There's Let's a see. lot of fun, silly banter, but also kind of spooky. But if anybody has any that they could suggest. Yeah, give us I drive a lot. I put my podcast in my little ear holes when I'm at work, working away on my computer. Mm-hmm. 
that's why I've like binged everything. It's because I just listen all day. Well, it's funny because when I was mowing, I was trying to listen to the creepy podcast, but because it's kind of lower, the voices, mm-hmm. I had the volume up all the way and could not hear anything. So I'm like, I need to find some loud podcasts. So when I mow, <laughs> I have to listen to louder podcasts. Oh, it's funny. I'm like, oh, I can't listen to them right now. No creepy, no lore when you mow. All right. Next oh. week. Next week's spooky Halloween. Spooky Halloween. Bye. Bye.